0: Church, I actually want to welcome our entire church. If you're new, uh, I'm Pastor Tim, and we're one church, but we meet in six locations across New Jersey. So let's give a big liquid welcome to all our sister campuses joining us today. We're glad you guys are with us, or if you're uh, watching a podcast, you're listening online, glad you're here for the series Simplify, which is really all about kind of clearing the clutter in our lives for what matters most. And uh, today, before we dive into our content, I kind of just want to give you guys an update because I have good news to share. Uh, exceedingly good news. Um, Last fall, if you remember, in November, I mentioned that we were a little bit behind in our church budget. In fact, we were hoping that by the end of the year, December 31st, we could close that gap. It was about $500,000. And uh, I want to thank you, those you gave, those you who prayed for that most importantly, because God always provides. I find that he uh, provides always right on time, but he's rarely early. I don't know if you have found that in your life, Um, but it was incredible. When all was said and done, the dust settled in the first week of January. Uh, We completely made up that budget gap with even just a little bit more to start 2017 very strong financial footing. So I want to thank you for that. Just seriously, from my heart to yours, thank you for your sacrifice because living where we do here in the Northeast, uh, it is kind of crazy balancing, you know, jobs and and homes and places to live and and being generous, but uh, it really was incredible just to see God make that up. But It was through your generosity. Uh, So if you're new, know this, you are sitting among what I believe are some of the most generous people in the world. Um, I want to thank you for that. And what I want for your family is kind of what I always want for our church, right? You want to be on a a, a solid financial footing to start the year. And so we want to give something to you today. We don't want something from you. We have something for you today. Um, We have a message called Simplify Your Money. And we have flown in national financial expert, Joseph Sangle, to share that with you. Joe Sangle is the president and CEO of Enjoy Stewardship stewardship uh, solutions, and uh, I think what's most interesting about Joe is he is the author and founder. This is his book. I love the title. I don't know if you can see this. I was broke, now I'm not, and... It's actually an incredible story. He's become a bit of a financial guru around, uh, around the globe. And what's cool is Joe is super down to earth because he had this moment you're going to hear about today where his life was in total financial chaos. And God really reached in there and taught him some biblical principles of money management. Again, if you're like me, I've never been a math guy. So setting up a budget was always very intimidating. Uh, the idea of like, you know, getting out of uh, a debt. Some of you uh, have student loans you're trying to pay off. Or maybe you're like, we're in New Jersey. How do we ever save for a house? You know, we're a young couple. Or maybe you have children. You're like, I think we should save for college. Is it too late? Or maybe you're nearing retirement. You're like, are we moving to the South? Do we do investments? How do we do all that? Joe takes very complex issues and makes them very simple. But as a Christ follower, he always puts God first. And so we're going to look at the Bible today. Joe's going to break it down. He's a lot of fun. He's a high energy guy. He's hilarious. Uh, He actually comes from uh, South Carolina and he has an MBA from Clemson University, so he's he's all, yeah, he's all about Clemson. Would you guys give a big liquid welcome to Joe Sangle? Joe, thanks for being here, brother. Fired up, fired Grateful up. for you. Thank you, Joe. Up. Go Tigers!
1: No. <laughs> Who's fired up to be at church today? Yeah. Yes, that is awesome. Uh, this is a more lively service, and I'm excited about that. More coffee, more caffeine, more energy. That's awesome. Uh, I'm so excited to be able to see Liquid Church, and I've heard a lot about what God is doing here with the six campuses and the online campus, and I've heard a lot about that Jesus loves Jersey, and he does, and I'm so excited to see it in person and uh, just see what God is doing here. It really is an amazing thing, and it is not normal, and so I'm excited about that. I'm all about the not normal part, and so uh, my name is Joseph Sanguin. and today I'm going to talk to you about how to simplify your money. And I've heard a rumor, see if this is true, do you think this is true, that money is fun if you have some. Has anybody <laughs> discovered that? Yeah, okay. And so I've heard also that money cannot buy you happiness, but lack of it can sure cause sadness. And so we're going to kind of work on that today. But before we dive into the, the details of how to simplify your money, I'm going to kind of introduce myself, let you know kind of the root of what, why I'm speaking, why I'm passionate about this topic. Um, My name is Joseph Sengel. I am the youngest of six boys, six. There were no daughters. Uh, I come from a small farm south of Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, My mother and father had four boys. They tried one more time for a daughter. They felt like the family wasn't complete. Their fourth child was six years old. And uh, so they tried one more time for that daughter. And on March 31st, 1974, almost 43 years ago, my mother went into labor and the nurse was listening to the womb with a stethoscope because that's how they checked on babies back then. And uh, she got a puzzled and a perplexed look and raced out and came back with a doctor. And he listened and he did not have a puzzled or a perplexed look. He looked right at my mother and said, are you ready to have two babies? I just heard two heartbeats. And March 31st, 1030 at night is an hour and a half before April 1, which is April Fool's Day. So my mother said what I think any mother would say. Ha ha, that's funny. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I'm going to have one baby and it's going to be, it better be a girl. uh, Or I'm returning it. And and about a half hour later, my identical twin brother was born. And seven minutes later, I was born. (laughs) She didn't cheer either. She She said, the Lord has spoken. If we try again for a girl, we'll have triplet boys. So we are through with this. And she just cried. She did. The next day, they say in Indiana, there was a small earthquake and a tornado. And she felt like she lived in a tornado and an earthquake permanently for the next several years with six <laughs> boys running around. So, so I'm loud, but that's because it was essential to my survival as the youngest of six. And also because, uh, you know, being the youngest of six and all these kids, my parents didn't have what we call extra money. And uh, in my life, you know, I've rarely heard about money when I did, it was kind of negative. Uh, if I saw some money, it was enticing. And, but when I got my hands on it, like at Christmas or whatever, I, would, I quickly spent it because um, I, I quickly discovered I had the spiritual gift of making money disappear. I don't know if anybody has that gift and needs deliverance today. Um, I'm a natural spender. And I really started my money journey when I went off to college. My oldest brothers, the four older ones, did not go to college immediately, Uh, and so me and my twin were the first to consider going straight from high school to college, and my first day of my senior year of high school, there's a free application to Purdue University. That's about an hour and a half north of where I lived there in Indiana, and I applied. It was free, and seven days later, they accepted me to the schools of engineering, and so that was it of my college search, and so off to Purdue I go, and I started my money journey, Um, I started dating this girl, and my finances headed into the ditch. I don't know if anybody's ever had a relationship do this, but uh, this girl that I dated, uh, I think many of you have also dated her. Some of you may be dating her right now. Her name is Sally May, student loan company. The jokes won't get any better. I'm just helping. Does anybody know Sally May or her first cousin's Navient or Federal Direct Loan? Is anybody dating one of them? It's time to break up today. That will simplify your financial life. Um, but I, I started dating her and uh, financed all my college education. I uh, started studying mechanical engineering. And my first weekend there, they said they'd give me free stuff if I'd fill out some credit card applications. So I filled out all of them. Don't judge me. I wanted free stuff. This was a deal. So, so it's like, what's your name? Joseph Sangle. What's your income? Zero. What's your job? No job. Give me my stuff. So I admitted on paper that I had no income, no job, Do you think they gave me a credit card? Yes. Yes. Can you believe that? And so uh, I I got a credit card about a week later, and the next day I practiced with it. (laughs) And I should have employed that wisdom from that great kids show that we know, many of us know, where they say, Endure the Explorer. Swiper? No swiping. It would be good wisdom, but I didn't employ it back then. And so I did graduate in four years with a degree in mechanical engineering, and this is proof that God still works miracles. Um, seriously, I was not what they call a stellar student. Um, in fact, I was wondering if I really was graduating at graduation. This is not good. And so, so they were giving out special honors with gold cords, like this person graduated magna cum laude and summa cum laude. And so I quick made up special honors and said, I graduated, thank the laude. And I got out of there. I had a 2.64 GPA, woo be glad that God called me out of engineering so at least what I do won't break and kill somebody but I graduated but I graduated with tens of thousands of dollars in student loan debt thousands of dollars in credit card debt and all four years of college I had been driving a clunker automobile I don't know if anyone has ever drove a clunker before but if you have you are probably the closest to the Lord you've ever been you prayed through every time you drove it is that right like I had a 1981 Datsun B210 get fired up. I'm serious, it, it was amazing. It was primary color rust and uh, there's no physical specimens remaining. If you want to be blessed today, google it. 1981 Datsun B210. It was so bad that the driver's or the passenger side floorboard rusted out. And I had to have a piece of plywood so my girlfriend's feet wouldn't fall through to the road. That's awful. Short, listen one day I crossed a rough railroad track crossing and the entire dash fell in my lap <laughs> the whole dash and so because I was broke I just crammed it back up and used some old clothesline to tie it up and then shortly after that my driver's side door stopped latching and then a sure sign I was in the wrong degree field I couldn't even fix a simple door latch and so I rolled down the window and literally tied the door shut with more clothesline and went in and out of the window like the Dukes of Hazzard. <laughs> it's not near as cool as the show made it out to be, I promise you. And the worst moment came in this car that I was driving this car. Get the picture. is a, a moonless, starlit night. I'm driving to my parents' house, and I'm driving down the road, and I came to the spot where there's a culvert under the road. But instead of, like, burying the culvert, an engineer like me just decided to just pave the road over the top of it and make a hump in the road. And so I hit the hump and my lights went out. This is a problem. But immediately after that, a fireball, no exaggeration, the width of my hood rolled out of the car over the windshield and then my lights came back on. And when you're broke, you ignore the obvious. And so I went, ah, and I kept driving. That's what you do. I was like, that did not happen. What happened? That did not happen. the second time that happened, um, I decided to check it out. And in keeping with the theme of the automobile, the battery holders had rusted off. And when I was hitting bumps, the battery is bouncing up, arcing out on the metal hood and igniting a leak in the fuel line. Get fired up took on another level of meaning. And so guess how a broke person fixed a leak in a fuel line? Duct tape, baby, you know I did, I did. I sold the car with duct tape on the fuel line. That, so that, that, that's not good. I sold the car for 250 bucks. But let me tell you, I, wa- I wanted a new car. Do you agree with me that I needed a different car? But I wanted a new car, so guess what I done did? I bought a brand new car and I financed it forever. And, and, and then, I asked my girlfriend to, to marry me, and I'm so excited that Jennifer Lynn Nijakowsky, this Polish Southsider from Chicago, she said yes. So I financed the engagement ring, the wedding ring, the wedding, and the honeymoon to Jamaica all on my credit card. Oh yeah. So th- I'm trying to help you understand where I'm coming from today. And so we, we got an opportunity to move from Indiana to South Carolina with a job transfer uh, with a company that's based uh, in Morristown, New Jersey, Honeywell. Uh, And so we moved to South Carolina, and it was awesome. There were palm trees, living specimens of them. They were great. And uh, we bought a house, and we signed about 90 documents from the bank saying, you're going to be broke forever. And then we wanted furniture, so guess how we got furniture? 24 months, same as cash. We had some furniture. And so we found ourselves living the, quote, American dream, but broke as a joke and writing all the I was broke part of my book saying I am making more money than I've ever made in my life and I feel like the answer to all my money problems is more income, but for some reason when I get more income, I just get more debt, more bills, more obligations and I'm finding myself in a stressed out, tapped out life. Have you ever been there? Listen, some of you are there right now. Instead of saying I was broke, you're saying I is broke and you're failing grammar class and It's not fun being broke. And today, no matter where you're at in your financial journey, I want to help you take your finances to another level, wherever you're at, to the next level. And I want to help you live what I call a fully funded life, which is to do exactly what God has put you on earth to do. Hear me on this, regardless of the cost and the income potential. I want you to be able to do that. And so I'm going to share some practical tips uh, towards the end of the message today. But first, I want to set some foundational elements when it comes to money. And the first thing is that God owns it all. Like, you know that, right? Like, you, you don't see a U-Haul following the hearse to the graveyard. That would just be weird, right? Like, if you see that, go to the hospital and get checked out, right? So, so here it says in Psalm 24:1 that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it that we're just managers for this brief thing that we have called life. And then when we die, all of our stuff goes on to someone else, maybe even to someone we don't like that much. That's just the way it is, isn't it? We are responsible for what the Lord has placed in our hands at this moment. So let me ask the question again, who owns it all, every campus? God, right? And just to help you, uh, if you, if you're in church, And somebody asks a question, the answer is yes or God, 95% of the time. So if you just say yes, God, you'll be right, 95%, that's an A. Okay, so who owns it all? Every campus. God, that's awesome. And we need to understand that because we're managers. That's very important. How are you doing with what God has placed in your hands? And so when you realize that God owns it all, when it comes to your life, there must be a plan you must prepare a plan. When you prepare a plan, uh, it, it really, it, it guides every part of your life. Proverbs 21.5 says this. It says, the plans of the diligent lead to what? Talk to me. Wow. Profit, which is money left over, right? As surely as haste leads to poverty. That's hugely important to understand that the writer says, if you have a plan and you are diligent to follow the plan, it will yield profit. And if you are not preparing a plan that is hasty living, it will result in poverty. This is really important. And and as we establish this basis, I want you to know that that I, I encourage you to have two plans. The first one is for your life. Start by planning for your life. What is it that God has called you to accomplish on this earth? What is it that makes you wake up and say, I am fired up this is awesome, I cannot wait to get to work. You wake up two hours early, you set, you, you set new speed records on the way to work, you park in your parking spot sideways 30 miles an hour, you're so fired up. You walk in, you're like, I love my job, this is awesome. Who does that? <laughs> Who does not like that person? <laughs> nope, but I want you to have a passion for what you do with your life. And what I found is that when God clarifies that goal for your life, those dreams, those plans for your life, it naturally comes with passion for it. And listen, I know that many people, uh, in the sound of my voice, you're struggling with that calling on your life. And any of us with gray hair or no hair, we kind of recognize that there are seasons in life where we have clarity and other seasons where it's not so clear. And in those seasons when it's not clear, if you're there today, I encourage you to write down these verses and ponder these in your prayer over the next many months. And it's in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And uh, in in that, it's kind of a, a formula for determining God's call in your life, where it says that you're to be transformed by the renewing of your mind and offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. It's your spiritual act of worship. But then it says this, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Have a plan for your life, and then the second part of having a plan is to have a plan for your money. Have a plan for your money. You see, see if you agree with this statement. Everything in life, either directly or indirectly, costs money. True or false? Yes or no? Yes, right. It does, right? If you if you want to have children, do they cost money? I'm just checking. Okay. Um, If you want to send your kids to college, does that cost money? Okay, you want to be a stay-at-home mom, does that cost money? You want to start a business, does that cost money? You want to travel? You want to to have lights on in your house? Right? I'm serious. Everything costs money in life, all throughout life. And I, I want to say this to encourage you. Sometimes we're frustrated that things keep costing money, but I want to encourage you another way. See, only dead things cost nothing. So be grateful that things cost money. And here's what I know. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. And if we do what we can do, he'll show up and do what only he can do. And it may not be in the way that we're trying to tell God to do it, but I will tell you, he's always, as pastor says, in his timing, he will provide exactly what you need for what he has called you to do. And I've heard it said before that if we never had any problems, we wouldn't know that God could solve them. So have a plan for your life. Have a plan for your money that aligns with that. Very important. And let me tell you, the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because it used to be when I was broke, I literally went and added up and averaged the last six months of my bank account leading up to my my moment where God got a hold of me in this area called money. And my average bank account balance was $4.13. And I was celebrating that it was positive. Right? My wife was not celebrating, but I was because I'm a spender. I'm like, hey, we got $4.13 left over. But when you have $4.13, if you get this backwards, many people get it backwards. Instead of seeking God for their plan for the life, they look at their bank account and let it dictate their plans, hopes, and dreams. And if you have $4.13 in the bank account, <laughs> what type of dreams are you going to have? $4.13 dreams. You're gonna be driving a 1981 Dodson B210 clunker and have no hope of getting out of it. Have a plan for your life. Make sure that your money decisions are in support of that, okay? And then, so we need to have a plan for our life, for our money. The next part is we need to pursue contentment. We need to pursue contentment. Now, this is a great challenge. for all of our life we'll wrestle with this challenge. Contentment is this thing of saying, I'm going to be okay with where I'm at, with what I have. It's very, very challenging for all of us, particularly when we have eyes and we can see what our friends have, right? But it says, Paul wrote in First Timothy chapter 6, he says this in verse 6. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. He doesn't, he doesn't even say that, he doesn't even say shelter. I, like, I'm, I'm challenged by that, aren't you? But watch this, it says, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that, and we continue. It says, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not, not money, the love of it is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. This is why contentment is so important. Contentment allows you to say, I know where God's called me to. I have faith that he will get me there in his time. I'm okay with that. And and contentment, we wrestle with because, you know, we see what our neighbors have or whatever. Like, have you ever had a moment in your life where you encountered someone and they had something and you didn't even know that thing existed until you saw it? But the moment you saw it, you went straight past wanting it to needing it. Have you ever been there? Like, for example, I remember the first time I saw an iPhone. I had a BlackBerry Bold and it was it was supposed to be an upgrade from the curve, but it was like a paperweight. And when I saw the iPhone, there was no wanting. I needed an iPhone now. I was not content. See, we all wrestle with this, don't we? And so you got to be careful with that because contentment, um, if you have a lack of it, it will drive you crazy. In fact, we could sum it all up in a statement. You can tweet this. You ready? Sometimes our desire to acquire has gone haywire. Is that truth? And and when it's gone haywire, we find it because we're stressed out, we can't sleep at night, that we're always saying, I'll be happy when, and we're not happy now, and we forget that money is a journey and that life is a journey, not just one moment. Be content. See, Jesus spoke to this specifically, uh, and it's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew uh, chapter six, verses 21 and 24. In verse 21, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is where we see the big revelation that the reason God's word talks so much about money and the reason why the way we manage money is so important is because it's ultimately a heart issue. And God's interested not in our money. He owns it all anyhow. He's interested in our hearts. And he sa- he, he's saying Wherever our money is, our heart's there. And so when we're giving, that means our heart is with God's work. When we're blessing others in the least of these, that means our heart is with what God's heart beats for. And when he sees us investing for the dreams he's placed in our heart, he is honored by that. And vice versa, wherever our heart is, our money will flow to that as well, right? That's why we spend so much on our children and really spend money on our grandchildren. Can I get a witness, right? Right, you hold that brand new grandbaby and you're like, oh my goodness, this is what I'm told. They look at it, the grandpa looks at that baby, says, how did good looks and intelligence skip a generation straight from me to this baby? And the wallet just heats up, is that right? And so it's very important that you understand this. Your heart is with that child, money will flow to it. You cannot separate them. And just three verses later, Jesus continues on with an amazing statement. He says, no one can serve two masters, Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He doesn't say God and Satan. He says money. So he's saying it's a a terrible God. It will fail you. Listen, you'll have money problems, hear me, all of your life, you will. And I want to help some of you. Um, If you're struggling, if you're broke, and you think that more money is the answer, um, more money won't solve all the problems. In fact, the wealthy people that are in the sound of my voice, you know that money, even when you have wealth, still has issues and challenges. It does. All throughout life, as you uh, prosper, as you progress in this area called money, it will come with its own share of challenges. And that's why it's so important to have faith and trust in the provider of it instead of the provision the provision will fail you, only the provider will last, Christ Jesus. And so to now we're gonna talk about, we've talked about having a plan for your life, have money plan to support it, and then we talked about being content. Uh, I wanna just share one last thing about contentment. There's a difference between contentment and being comfortable. There's a difference. It's okay to be uncomfortable or feeling some sort of holy urgency or a holy unrest, and still be content, because sometimes you're content with where you are, but God will start f- feeding something in your spirit that's saying, get ready for this next thing, and it will create a holy, discon- a- a holy uh, unrest that makes you say, man, I-, I know God's preparing me for something new. I don't know what it is yet, but you can still be content in that season. Understand that. Okay, now let me share with you some practical ways that have helped me honor God with what he's given me and to be able to simplify my life. And if you're taking notes, the first one is uh, before. I want you to write down the word before. Everybody say before. See, I, I shared with you Proverbs one five earlier that says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. And so I was broke and uh, I, I, I didn't know how to fix it. Have you ever been there? You have a problem, you don't know how to fix it. It's like Charlie Brown's teachers talking about money, like wah, 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 wah. Like, I don't know how to fix this. And so my bride, she wanted to have a budget. And, and, and that, as a spender, I, I immediately went, no! Have you ever been there? Like, like, I felt like a budget was restrictive and constrictive. In fact, I came up with poetry for it. I said, my name is Joe. A budget makes me say no. And that interrupts my flow, so it's got to go. She did not laugh. And there came this day where we're struggling financially, and my bride came in with this handwritten budget. And, and she said, Joseph, what do you think of this budget? And I immediately went, no. Right? Why? Because it was going to restrict me. But she was cute. So I decided to look at it. And I looked at it. And uh, in this budget, it had, it was spending our money before the month began. Before we got paid. Before the banks and utilities sent love letters wanting money. And at the top of the budget, it was tithing to our church, giving, putting God first. And then there was saving. There was some investing. And then it, it planned all the rest. And there was golf in the budget. Did you know you can put golf in the budget? That's a word from the Lord for somebody today. <laughs> you can have fun in your budget. I did not know that. And so that month, we decided to ha- have that plan. Now, that's two part, one of two parts of Proverbs twenty five. The plans, I've got that check mark, of the diligent. Now I have to follow the plan, right? We chose to follow it, and all it did was change our life forever. But that's all it did. See, see, th- help me with this. You should plan your money when I'm going to help you. Before or after? Before before you get paid. When? Before or after you uh, the month begins? Before or after the banks and utilities send you love letters? Before. So if you do that, you honor the provider of it, and it gives you the best chance to maximize every dollar you receive and when we started doing that we started to make progress in ways we had never done before L- last week in simplify your life with time and time management and all that pastor tim shared about how he puts different important things to him on his calendar he starts with that and pastor nathan talked about the big rocks first w- listen if we know that everything in life costs money then why would we not put time in our time schedule every month to sit down, when? Before or after? Before the month begins to plan every dollar before we receive it. Listen, I'm going I'm to do what I think is a softball question here. Which works more effectively, planning your income before you get paid money or winging it? Listen, here's what I know. It, let, let's, let's put it in real terms. What if you uh, owned a business and you had manager, a manager that worked for you helped manage the day-to-day of the business and uh, you met with that manager and said, hey, manager, it's the start of the year. Um, it's a great year. We want to make progress. Tell me, what's your plan? What if, the, uh, what if the manager looked at you and said, you know, I, I, I've decided not to have a plan this year. We're just going to wing it. What would you say to that manager? You're fired, right? You're uh, you're gonna pursue other opportunities right now, like leave, right? Hey, hear me on this. Maybe that's why many of us are stuck today financially because God is the owner and we are winging it and we're wondering why we're stuck, unfulfilled and not content. I challenge you, plan every dollar before you spend it for real, honor the owner, and you will begin to make progress. The second thing that simplified my finances is I started saving. You need to save. It's very important to save money. You cannot prosper if you do not save. Um, it's not possible. And Proverbs twenty-one twenty speaks specifically to this thing that says that the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. In other words, there needs to be a storing up. And it, listen, is life gonna happen? Yes is the answer. It probably happened in the last week to you, right? You had a flat tire, the car broke down, you had somebody get sick and had to go to the doctor. life costs money, is that right? And it doesn't ask you, hey, uh, are you ready for a bill? Because it just happens and then you have to pay, is that right? And hear me on this, Um, life is going to happen. And it's kind of attracted to times you have no money. Can I get a witness? And so why not make it intentional your goal to save money? I recommend starting with one month's worth of expenses just in savings to protect you from life happening because things are gonna happen. Your kids are gonna get sick. The refrigerator's gonna die. The furnace is gonna die. The roof's gonna leak. You you don't have to make an emergency trip out of town. Something's gonna cost money. And if you do not have saved money, you'll constantly be running back to debt. You just will, and you can't prosper if you do not save. Like, life's going to happen. I'm the youngest of six boys, and it was crisis to crisis. That's how my dad said he lived his life, from crisis to crisis. Because we would go out in the yard, and after 15 minutes, we would be bored, and we'd say, hey, watch this, and then we'd get a medical bill. (laughs) My oldest brother threw a hammer in the air and watched it come down and hit him in his own face. (laughs) It was awesome because it wasn't me. And my dad's like, let's go right back to the hospital, right? And here's what I know. If you don't save money, you're always going to have two problems. You're going to have the problem and a money problem. And if you keep living that way over life, you'll become discontented, overwhelmed. You won't sleep as well at night. Listen, saved money matters. Warren Buffett, one of the wealthiest people on the planet Earth, uh, was once asked in an interview. They said, Warren... You have $29 billion sitting in the bank, just sitting there. Shouldn't you deploy some of that capital? He said, well, maybe we should, but I will tell you one thing. We sure do sleep well at night. You need margin. It will help you be able to sleep well at night and always be focused on the call of God in your life. Okay, third thing to simplify is to automate, to automate. Automate the important. If you wanna simplify your money, you can automate things and that's the, listen, our world today, you can automate almost everything financial, can't you? Can you automate your giving? I told you the answer to the questions in church are yes or God, right? Can you automate your giving? Yes. Okay. Can you automate your saving? Yes. yes. Can you automate your investing? Yes. Yeah. Can you automate your exercise? See, I told you it's only 95% of the time. <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome? You wake up in the morning and you're climbing off the treadmill and it's, uh, it says I went six miles. That'd be awesome. And to, while I'm working on that invention, let's automate the important. Automate your giving. I gave online to Liquid Church today, took me less than 40 seconds. And you can automate it. You can always put God first. Write the plans of the diligent. Automate your savings. Have it automatically taken out of your bank account, put it in another bank account, particularly if you're a spender because I'm a spender, if it stays in my bill pay account, it's endangered species, so it needs to leave. Um, Can you automate your investments? Yes, to your retirement account at work, payroll deductions, or maybe after you get it home to Roth IRAs, 529s, or other types of investments, automate the important. And and with the rest, automate your bill payments. One of the reasons why many people do not make automatic bill payments is because they have no margin. They haven't saved money. But if you have a month's worth in savings, you don't have to worry about overdrafting. So that's why it's so important to save. The the fourth thing is avoid is the word, avoid. Avoid decisions that would prevent you from living generously. Like I know that your friend might be fired up. They're starting a business. They want you to invest, it's a can't miss. You have gotta do it. And they're certainly very excited about it. But ask yourself this question. Does this prevent me from living life generously? Does this prevent me from saving? Does this prevent me from investing? Does it rob me of my ability to pursue my plans, hopes, and dreams that the Lord has placed in my heart? Avoid those decisions. I know, I know you may look back and say, I could have missed out or whatever, but I do know this. I, I have been able to get rid of a lot of heartache that could have happened in my life by just saying, that decision would rob me from doing what God has called me to do. And I want you to prosper, but I can't be a part of that. Avoid things that would rob you from living generously. The fifth thing is this, is to wait. Wait overnight before making large financial decisions. Have you ever made a quick financial decision you later regretted? It's called buyer's remorse, right? And, and so I know I have and uh, all of us have. And when I, and I recommend you set a limit, a certain dollar amount that if a decision costs more than that, wait overnight, one night of sleep. It's amazing how much the desire and the impulsiveness just goes away. That thing you wanted, yeah, I don't know if I really want to do that. Wait, that waiting is so, so important. When I was broke, like the dollar number we set was like hundred dollars, right? Because every dollar was extremely valuable. And as, as you progress, it might be a different number, but set that number that says if it's more than that, I'm gonna wait. And the sixth and final one that I wanted to share with you is this word together, together. That you're to work together. If you're married, you should work together in this thing called money with your spouse. You, you just should. Now listen, uh, you're not wired the same, you're wired differently, that's okay. But work together because you have shared plans, hopes and dreams. Yes, you have individual plans, hopes, and dreams. And when you work together, there's nothing more exciting than seeing dreams get funded together. Now, if, if you're single, uh, you, need, you need someone to work together with as well. And I encourage for married couples and for individuals that you have financial coaches in your life. Proverbs 15.22 isn't in your notes, but Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. And one of the biggest mistakes we make, and the reason we find ourselves a lot of times in messes, is we try to do this alone. God never intended for us to do life alone. And so go seek wisdom from someone who loves Jesus. Uh, they love you. They're not constantly trying to transfer money from your pocket to their pocket. Work together. And we could really summarize all of what I just set up to a simple six-word plan for your finances. And I'm gonna say the six words. Let's see. It's give, save, invest, plan the rest. It's that simple, isn't it? Hard to stick to, I understand. Contentment helps a lot. Knowing your greater why, that calling in your life. But think about it. These three, you can automate those. And this one, you can automate the bill payments, but it requires the diligence. One of the fruits of the Spirit, when we commit our lives to Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit comes within us, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control, self-discipline. Ask the Lord to activate that in your life. I'll finish by sharing what this has done in my life. You know, I, fi- I finished by saying I'd financed my honeymoon, my house, my furniture, and I had debt. And I, I didn't include that I'd bought a truck, 100% financing. And it was a mess. And my wife and I, we sat down before the Lord and before each other. We repented of our financial mismanagement. And we began to search the scripture and through prayer, seek God's will for our life. And I started hearing God's call to go into ministry. And I knew that you do not go into ministry to make millions of dollars. I, I don't know if you know that, but we're laying up treasure in heaven. And, uh, and so I felt this call and I'm like, I can't, I can't survive on this, this income that would come from ministry with our current positions. So we started preparing a budget. We started prioritizing saving. We put God first through giving investing and in 14 months we paid off all of our debt except for our house. In 2006, four years after that moment in 2002, in 2006 we were able to go on staff at the church that we helped start and we were able to take a 50% pay cut but it didn't matter to our ability to prosper because we had eliminated that debt. My wife was still able to be a stay-at-home mom that she wanted to be and then we were able to it was amazing, 10 years and one month from that day in December of 2002, we were able to pay off our house at age 38, and let me tell you, that will simplify your life, and, and let, let me tell you, I, we've been able to live an unbelievably blessed life. We've been able to live generously in ways we never thought possible. We've been able to start a business with zero debt. We just finished 10 years of operating it. We had started it in 2006. We've been able to buy a business and start two other businesses We want to make investments that we never dreamed possible. I am here to tell you God's word works. And whatever he has called you to do, regardless of the cost, he can and he will fund it when he finds you faithful, when he finds you content. And I pray that these tips will help you prosper. Will you pray with me as we finish? To God be the glory. God, thank you so much for everything that you have done in our lives. We're so grateful. God, as long as we're living, we're gonna make money mistakes. God, I pray that you'll forgive us. God, today, I pray for every person here that we would recognize the potential of what could happen in our lives if we recognize you truly as the owner and we found it as a holy obligation to be the best manager of it possible. God, help us to be able to give, to always prioritize your work, to be able to save, to be able to invest. And God, incline our hearts to the poor and to the least of these. God, give us that greater Why? God, help us eliminate debt. Help us to live a simplified life, one that allows us to focus solely upon you. God, give us the peace that passes all understanding. We thank you for giving your son, Jesus, who died and paid a debt that we could never repay in an ultimate act of generosity so that we might be able to receive that free gift of salvation and live a life of freedom, of liberty. God, will never get over that unbelievable gift. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.